Good evening. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Richmond. You may have a seat. No announcements tonight. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Trevor Potter. I'm the ministry coordinator here. And we're picking up today in the book of Proverbs 18. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be turning there here in a moment. Uh, but it really is... My brother Tawan said it in the beginning, it really is great to be here in the house of the Lord for a midweek service. This midweek service is kind of like a huddle that we get to um, have that just gives us that extra amount of Holy Spirit that we need to have us help us finish that week strong. During the summer months, if everybody remembers, we were um, in the book of Colossians. There were several other things that we were doing, other teachings. Pastor Tim actually started the book of Proverbs on a Wednesday teaching about a, about a year ago, I think. And he read from Proverbs 1 through 17. So we're going to pick up in verse 18 tonight. And as Pastor Tim mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's not just me. It's going to be a series of us that come up here and teach a proverb on a Wednesday. Um, I don't remember who's next, but I'm really looking forward to hearing this, this series, hearing from the men, hearing from, from God, as he uses all of us to bring him glory through, through his word. And I'm not going to do too much of an introduction to the book of Proverbs. Pastor Tim did that way back when, uh, when he opened the series. Uh, great introduction, so go back online and, and look at Proverbs 1, and you'll see that intro, but just in just a little bit, King Solomon and others wrote the book of Proverbs as directed by God, and really at a high level, it's, it's a book, or it's a series of books um, that provides the reader of these books wisdom, his wisdom. The word wisdom is used at least 125 times throughout the 31 Proverbs. And as a way of application, this wisdom helps us make good choices, that we um, participate in activities that are in our life that honor our Heavenly Father. And it's really a guide. It's our daily bit of wisdom that, um, from the Lord to help us on the journey that we're on. Think of it as a compass or a map or GPS. It's what helps us stay on track as we navigate the daily hills and valleys that we're faced with. But we have to read these. We have to stay connected so we don't lose our way. Recently, my family and I were, were driving down to the bay to visit uh, her, my, my in-laws. And, you know, driving down 360, I think it is, it gets pretty spotty in places. And we looked down at the GPS on the phone. We, we know how to get there, but just in case. We, we had it on, and we realized that it hadn't really updated in about 20 minutes. It had lost the, the connection. But we, but we knew where to go. But we're just like that. Unless we stay connected to the Word, we're going to lose our way. And as the busyness of life takes hold, we may not always have time to read everything that we set out to read, but if you read one book of Proverbs, you're good to go. And it's funny because we don't really need to worry about where we left off in Proverbs. There's 31. 
right? So there's one for each of the days. So if we forget where we left off in Proverbs, we just have to remember what day it is. There you go. As we read tonight, and we're going to read through all of Proverbs, we're only going to touch on a couple of the scriptures, but we're going to read the whole thing. 18. But when we read this, think about ourselves, right? When I, when I read the word, I try to internalize it to see, God, how does this apply to me in my life? And so I ask that you do the same thing tonight. Let's examine ourselves to see how we're living. And it's really in the context of what we should or shouldn't be doing. And we'll seek the Lord tonight. Ask him for these things to be revealed, because maybe we don't know. Maybe he hasn't opened our eyes to some of these things, but we're going to ask him. And maybe thinking about repentance, because that comes next. Seeking forgiveness from, from God for the sin that we are revealed, but also from the individuals that are affected. But let's do this with this overarching kind of heart of thanksgiving. That we have God's word to encourage us. Continuing the things that we do that bring him honor. But also opening our eyes to the areas where we fall short. We really need that. And if you ask him, he will reveal these things. Before we read his word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day once again. Thank you for bringing us here, for allowing our busy schedules, Lord, this time that we can come and just spend time in your presence, that we can connect with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage each other. But Lord, we pray now that we would hear from you, or that it's your word that's being spoken tonight, and Lord, so may it be you that we hear. Or remove me. But Lord, I pray that you speak mightily through me. Or that it's just you that's heard that you would speak to the hearts of all those hearing. Lord, do a work in us tonight. We thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs 18, if you have your Bibles open to it. A man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but expressing his own heart. When the wicked comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes reproach. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. It is not good to show partiality to the wicked, or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the innermost body. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own esteem. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, 
and before honor is humility. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gifts makes room for him and brings him before great men. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's so much here in your word. We pray now, Lord, that you would help us Lord, just take this in. Show us, Lord, where we need to apply these things in our life, Lord. Open our eyes to, Lord, the things that we are doing that we shouldn't, the things that we shouldn't be doing that we are, Lord. And Lord, just um, thank you that you give us this instruction. Thank you that we can use it to encourage one another. And Lord, we just pray that you are glorified. Thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as in many of the Proverbs, we know there's a lot of similarities or themes that we see. And so we'll talk about some of these themes tonight. The first theme that we'll look at, and it's likely one that maybe most of us in here can attest to. I know I certainly can. We think and we're like, yep, I failed this one today. Probably multiple times. I seem to fail this one often. The first one is our words. There's a lot to be said about words. And they are dangerous. We have a lot of problems with our words. How many times do we say something that we regret later? But as we're saying it, we, we say it with the malice that it's intended to portray. And we really want that word to sting the person that we're saying it to. But the other part of us is like, no, 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 don't say it. Oh, you said it. It's almost like we have this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde dancing in our head. In Proverbs 18, there are around 11 references to the words we speak, the words that we hear, or the words that we ignore. But this is just one book in 31 books. So how many more verses are there that talk about similar things? Well, out of the 66 books in the entire Bible, there's many that are centered around our words. 34 books mention our tongue, and there's 126 occurrences of that word throughout the Bible. Others 
sources say a little bit more, some say a little bit less. But think about everything that God has for us in the Bible. So he, there's a lot he wants us to know about our words. They can be very dangerous. But they can also be a beautiful gift from God if we use them through the Holy Spirit. They can be used to bring peace and unity, encouragement and strength. Our words can convey love and hope and edify one another if we use them as the Holy Spirit dictates, not the way that we intend. So let's look at a couple of things tonight. The first one we'll kind of dive into is Proverbs 18.4. It says, The words of a, of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Such a great verse that very much captures the truth in a simple way I understand. It's not saying that our words are profound or that they're deep or really all that meaningful, although they can be. But really it's saying that this relates to that through our words we reveal the depths of our heart. Luke 6.4 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of a heart his mouth speaks. Isn't that true? Want to put this to the test? In a pretty easy, normal way? What's the first word that comes to mind when somebody cuts you off on the road? Or when you're walking down the stairs and you miss that last step? Or on your way to the restroom at 2 o'clock in the morning you trip on a cat? Right? Put that to test. See, just... Think about the first word that pops into your head. Then you'll know that's true. But that's one of the reasons why we're reminded so much in his word about our words. In Psalm 119.11 it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have to be in the word, his word daily, meditating on it, praying it back to him, trying to remember scripture so that it's always in the forefront of our hearts and our minds. Richard Wormbrandt, which you know who he was, is, was, um, went through a lot in his life. But he memorized over 360 verses. But he attached each of those verses to a date. So it didn't matter where he was, what was going on, and he went through a lot. Whatever date it was, as long as he knew the date, he knew what scripture, that, that's what the Lord had for him. We should try and do the same. I have not, by the way, memorized 360 verses. But the only way to hide his word in our heart is by reading it. We can't hide something that we don't have. And we have to remember that it's only God who can help us use these words. We've all been faced with a situation where we had to quickly stop and pray. God, please give me the word for whatever the situation was. I desperately need you to tell me what to do. Because on our own, it's a disaster. Unless the Lord steps in. The second part of that verse is, the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. What this is saying is, if we, you and I, are rooted in the Word, that's a capital W, if our foundation is in the rock of Jesus Christ, the words 
he has a share will be a wellspring of wisdom, his wisdom, that he speaks through us and to us. That is the flowing brook. And I picture a flowing brook. You know, it's not, it's not a fire hose that is very destructive as it puts out the fire. It's not a wave crashing on the shore that's eroding the shore. It's not a waterfall that's all this water. It's, these are forceful things. This brook that they're describing, it's a gentle flowing body of water. It's peaceful in its journey. It graciously deposits nutrients to the nearby soil so these beautiful plants grow. It's a place where the animals nearby can come and drink from. But it also provides a habitat for animals to live within it in a peaceful way. I picture Jesus when I picture this flowing brook. Matthew 4.4 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Pastor Tim talked about this a couple of weeks ago in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus speaking to the woman at the well said, But whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's John 4.14. So we see the use of this gentle water, this peaceful water, to describe Jesus quite a bit throughout the Bible. Such great verses to commit to memory. What about, though, when we don't use our words wisely? Proverbs 18.6 and 7. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his discretion, is his destruction, sorry, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Verse 6 is the verse that I can relate to. Probably too much. Man, did my mouth get me into trouble? Sometimes it still does. But the yelling that takes place, the arguments, the name calling, the insinuations, the accusations, the lies, the deceit, the murmuring, gossip. How much destruction has been had because of these things? The U.S. military has an idiom that says, loose lips sinks ships. I'm sure you guys have heard that. It's, I think it started around the Second World War. But it simply means be careful with what you say, how you say it, when you say it, who you say it to. Watch our words. Think of all the lives lost because of an argument that went from an argument to the physical. And simply walking away would have prevented any of that. The fights that could have been avoided, the relationships lost, the marriages that would still be going strong. It's tragic. Speaking of ships, in James chapter 3 we read, Looking, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And he says in verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Think about the destruction or the power that the tongue has. 
Proverbs 18.7 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. James 3.8 says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Think about the carnage that comes when we don't exercise simple discretion. Let alone a full-blown verbal assault. The sin that is spewed from our mouths when we do this. This word that comes out it's a snare for our soul this is a warning here that should not be taken lightly now the words we speak as followers of Christ should and must bring glory to God but we need him to do this his word spoken brings truth and light into the dark world my daughter when she was learning how to read would always mistake the word word for world and world for word I told her the word is in the world but we have to keep the world out of the word his word can never be compromised there's a lot that we can say about our words but we only have so much time unless you guys want to stay till about 12 o'clock our next is we're going to be looking at our actions There's roughly 14 words in Proverbs 18 that describe our actions to something. We've spoken before about how our actions or um, our lack of actions are either reflecting of Christ or they're not. Maybe they reflect our emotions instead, so we're not going to do that again. But let's look at these areas where we fall short. Proverbs 18.19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Have we ever intentionally offended somebody? Maybe somebody close to us? Someone who trusted us and and we trusted? How well did that go? How hard was it to regain that trust? Maybe it was something that was done in error. Maybe we didn't mean to. Maybe we didn't even know we did. If it was either one of those, stop and seek forgiveness. If you meant to do it, you may not even care about making amends. But if you didn't mean to do it, don't let a day go by without calling that brother or sister up and apologizing. Because it's going to happen. Think about the ramifications when it does. I was thinking of Esau and his brother Jacob. Or Joseph and his brothers. There were some shaky times in their their history. Things that are pretty good. What about Ishmael and Isaac? Now we know the story of both these men. We don't need to repeat it now, but Ishmael and Hagar were sent away after Isaac was born. But Ishmael was 13, 14 years old when he and his mom were forced to leave. Do you think he was offended? Do you think he had some resentment? 
We see in our world today, we have nations today that are still fighting. The Bible compares winning an offended brother to winning the battle to take a strong city, a heavily fortified city. Think about that for a second. It's a city that has strong, this is how I thought about it, strong thick walls, an open area that prevents a sneak attack that leaves the opposing force vulnerable to a counterattack. Areas along the wall that provide strategic points of view to see the entire battle zone. Zones along the way that allow for the enemy to be heard upon the approach. Behind those walls is a well-organized and trained military with a seemingly endless supply of food, water, and munitions. The soldiers almost seem untouchable standing behind those thick walls, waiting for the attack they see is coming. And it's you or me or whoever did the offending against that. How do we even stand a chance? We also know that it doesn't just mean blood brothers, it's friends, it's the people that we're around. But what chance do we have against such a force? And then it says contentions like the bars of a castle. Think about that, a disagreement, a dispute, an argument. Both parties know they're right, know the other person's wrong, and will do and say anything to try and make their point. How strong is that anger during that time, in those situations. And how trapped do we become? This is the bars of a castle. This is a self-imposed jail that we can never free ourselves from, except for one thing or by one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Do we see this in our relationships today with our spouses, our kids, our parents, siblings, friends? Is all of the pain and the anger and loss worth any of it? I don't think so. One of my old bosses, when thinking through a problem or presenting a solution, would always ask herself, for the sake of what? There's a lot of questions that make up this one question. Why is it important? Why should I care? Is it worth it? What's the cost? There's many others. So is this thing that we find ourselves in, this argument, this season in our life, is it worth it? Is our marriage worth it? Our relationship with our kids, our family? Remember, the people that are in our lives are there because the Lord blessed us with them. I don't think that Christ would say it's worth it. And it's oftentimes it's our pride that brings us to these impasses, but it's our pride that binds us there. Jesus Christ broke those chains on the cross. Don't willingly put those shackles back on. Ephesians 4.26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This isn't just a suggestion. This is something that we must be obedient to. We cannot give a place for the devil. One other action to quickly consider. Proverbs 18.5 says, It is not good to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment this is a very practical verse like all of them but it's so simple don't be a part of the gossip don't jump on the bandwagon of insults don't act as the world does just because it feels good stand for Christ and don't be a part of the institution that fights to overthrow those things that are him
This seems like a no-brainer, but we don't, we can't allow ourselves to be deceived. We can't compromise what we know to be true from the Lord, His truth, His plan, and all this for His glory. We can't even give in to the smallest things. Think of it like this. Stand strong in the Lord now, knowing you will one day stand humble before Him. There's a reverent fear that we should have that would help us make the right decisions, say the right things, seek Him to be able to say the right things. The last point tonight is His truth. While all these verses are true, some of them have to do with our obedience to them or not obedient to them. These, this theme is more about just his truth in general. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his own esteem. That's Proverbs 18.11. How much stock does one take? How much stock do we take in our accomplishments? the material possessions that we have, the trust that we put in these things, that they'll always be there. Years ago, my wife and I were in Beverly Hills having coffee at this little coffee shop. But we were young. We were early 20s, probably. And we got onto the elevator. This man walks on. And he looked down at us. I don't know if the, the kind of body language here, but you, you see this in movie when somebody sees somebody that they think is beneath them, they'll they'll look down. You know, they'll this guy literally like looked down his entire face at us. We we laugh about it now. We laughed then because it was the most ridiculous thing we ever saw. But what does somebody like that? And I don't. I'm not picking here. But what is it that an, that an individual has who thinks that's okay have that puts them in a position to be able to do that to another human being? Money? Prestige? Fancy clothes? He did have nice clothes. But these things that give us our power, it's not, it's not these things. That's not our, where we get our protection from. And any of these things can and are taken away in an instant. And then what? What do you have then? Nothing. Where's your hope now? Or your strength? Or your true source of happiness? It's gone. Or it passes to the next of kin. We don't know God's timing. Remember the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12.20? This man was going to pull down his barns and build greater ones because he ran out of room to store all that he had. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And verse 21 says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's a serious business, guys. Now, contrast that with verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
The righteous run to it and are safe. I love this verse. I really do. The name of the Lord, just his name, Yahweh, who he is in character and all he stands for. Isn't that amazing? Just his name is a strong tower. A commentary I was reading pointed this out about his character. Lord, you are a God of love, so I find refuge in your love. Lord, you are a God of mercy, so I find refuge in your mercy. Lord, you are a God of strength, so I find refuge in your strength. Lord, you are a God of righteousness, so I find refuge in your righteousness. Try to poke holes in that. It can't be done. God is infallible. He's flawless. He's perfect. And he's all of these things and so much more. The world offers none of these things. Earlier we talked about this strong city and how some of the attributes that make it strong, that city can't even compare to the strong tower that God is. Only the, only the Lord can break down those barriers, fill those voids, right the wrongs, give true wisdom in the application of that knowledge. All Proverbs, all 31 of them, help us by sharing this wisdom in a clear way for us to understand and apply it in our lives. We read through the Proverbs, there's nothing too difficult in there. It's pretty self-explanatory. As we close tonight, be thinking about a couple of things. And we really only covered a small amount of what's in there. But there's a lot, a lot of areas in our life where we don't do these things perfectly. Our thoughts are not perfect. Our words are not perfect. Our actions are far from it. We don't always seek God or think of him as our strong tower. We try and do things on our own. Try to use the little protection that we think we've built ourselves. Maybe there's only a couple areas where we're doing this still. Maybe the Lord has worked all of those things out. And praise the Lord if, if that's what it is. But there still is something that he's working on. Ask him. Ask him to reveal these things to you. Only he can do it and we need his help. And ask him how we can apply his wisdom in the application of the knowledge that he's given us in our lives. Spurgeon said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And that only comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Being in his word, praying to him, studying it, and asking for him to give us these gifts. He'll do it. I'm reminded of Matthew 7, 9 through 11. It says, 
Or what a man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This gift of wisdom and the application of it, if we pray that, he'll answer that prayer. And so tonight, if we fall short in any of these areas, ask for forgiveness. First from the Lord. Repent where repentance is necessary. Ask for the wisdom and the knowledge to apply it. And ask for the courage, the strength, and the endurance, because it's not easy. It's not easy. And if we're missing the mark in any of these areas, if, and if we've inadvertently negatively affected somebody else in our life, or maybe we were a bad example or a bad influence, ask for their forgiveness as well. It's definitely hard to do. It's an exercise in humility, but it is certainly worth it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your time in this word, your word. We pray, Lord, now that you would just have us remember those things in your word tonight, Lord, that when we look in the mirror, we know, we know you're talking to us, Lord. I know you're talking to me. I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand where we have misunderstanding. Help us clear the way, Lord, to make amends to those that we've impacted in our lives in a bad way. But Lord, first and foremost, pray that you would do a work in us. Lord, that you would cleanse us of our sin, that you would open our eyes to the areas that we fall short in, and that you would give us the wisdom the strength and the power, Lord, to overcome these things. Lord, there's so many parts of our lives that we do incorrectly, and only you and you alone can set us straight. So Lord, do that tonight. As we sung in the beginning, Lord, that we would surrender all, we pray, Lord, that we would truly do that. We know it's not easy. But your word tells that all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray these things now. Pray, Lord, that you would even go before us and work in the hearts of those that we've um, angered. Lord, that we, um, maybe we're not even speaking to them at this point in time. Lord, that you would bridge that gap. And restart, rekindle those, those relationships in our life, Lord. Lord, thank you again for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for just your continuing working of the Holy Spirit, Lord, as you help us in this journey. Truly, Lord, may we bring you honor and glory with all that you would have us do and say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.